things we're dealing with are threats to humanity unlike anything the world has ever seen before. We can bequeath our children a greener planet and a more prosperous future. That's what climate change is about. It is literally not figuratively a clear and present danger. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero Carbon Easter. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 5, Just Stop the Tories. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. I tell you what was green, Dale. Uh, and I've almost got like a bone to pick with you, if that's the right time. <laughs> I wondered what you were going to say then. Well, because <laughs> because uh, there I was this afternoon, you know, curled up, ready to get creative. And um, you pop up on the telly with a Christmas tree behind you. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking this is a man that fucking hates Christmas trees. Well, you know, first I want to say this. I'm loving the cheerful tone. Just stop the Tories. I like that at the start of the show, right? <laughs> um, that's the, I'm going to start putting it to music. Yeah, nice. And yeah, look, so what you're talking about is an interview with Sky that I shot just now, like 20 minutes ago. And yeah. I actually chose the background. I set myself up with my laptop and my ear pods and um, did a live Sky thing up at Forest Green Rovers. We're announcing a new head coach. And uh, I thought, oh, I need a background. Oh, f*** it. There's a Christmas tree. That'll do. You deliberately, despite your, well, at best, ambivalent approach to the festive season, you actually went full tree on us. Yo, ho, ho, and all that, right? And all of that, yeah. You don't look much like Santa, to be fair. But tell us why you were on Sky News today, because that's a story we should yeah. shoehorn in here. Yeah, yeah, let's squeeze it in. A new head coach announcement is is what it was all about. Today we announced Troy Deeney will step up from being a player assistant coach to being a player head coach. And David Horseman and, and Louis have, have left us, which is always unfortunate, but... Our results in our league position require us to do something at almost the midpoint of the season. So we're making a big change for Forest Green, and uh, I dashed down there to have a little chat about it. Nice. With a Christmas tree. Well, it was there, and I picked on it as my kind of like background. I thought, well, I'm well gonna, hang on, I'm you say, say it was there. I mean, this, are you sure you don't carry this thing around with you now as a kind of prop? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be seen without. If, if it proves popular, maybe I'll do it again. But uh, it was, a, yeah. It, you know, I just, I just thought, do you know what? That's the nicest looking thing in the room. Uh, probably that doesn't say much for the room. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, I actually think it was quite nice, if I'm perfectly honest. So. <laughs> it did, didn't it? I, I liked it. I liked it. Sky came on and they said to me, "Oh, you're perfectly framed." I thought, oh, they like it too. Yeah, but it was enough to get me off my sofa to go, "What the." F- <laughs> Because Dale with a Christmas tree, that's, you just don't see these two things together very often. But there we are. My attitude to Christmas trees is leave it in the ground. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad attitude either, for that matter. Let's talk about some weather here, because a couple of weather-related stories. Artificial rain being used. This is in Pakistan. Battle, just extraordinary and hazardous levels of smog. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got levels of uh, PM 2.5, this this micro dot of pollution that diesel engines are mostly responsible for, which causes uh, type 2 diabetes, we learn now from India. They've got levels of that that are over 60 times higher than the World Health Organization danger limit, not recommendation, wow. but danger limit. And and so it's, it's quite mad. But I quite love the story because, uh, you know, artificial rain has been around for a while. Sure. But usually, usually it's to combat droughts and to help farmers. But in this case, it's just to clean the air up. That's extraordinary. I, I mean, in mm. terms of creating this stuff, 
because you know some conspiracy theories out there, Dale. I'm sure you know this. No, really. Yeah. No, yeah. No. <laughs> who who say <laughs> all this bad weather stuff has just been created by some people with joysticks and <laughs> bad and bad intent uh, to make us all think that the planet's screwed up, but it's not real. It's just been created. And this is evidence of it because they can create it. Oh, well, yeah, they can create a little bit of rain if the conditions in the background are already kind of lending themselves that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, complete control of the weather, not at all. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not sure they can actually, you know, do everything. <laughs> no, like, like like in a Bond film or something. Yes, something yeah. But that is, the, well, that, it is, it is suggested by people. That is an online conspiracy theory that when you see those horrendous floods, I think we've got some stuff going on in Australia, people got alligators floating down their streets at the moment <laughs> because of the, the overflow and the, 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 the sheer weight of rain and yeah. depth of it. The argument goes the government created that, basically. They just yeah, got the clouds yeah, to piss on Australia. Yeah, and over here, you know, our friends like Mike Graham and Julia Hartley Brewer, Hartley Hoo-Ha, <laughs> Julia Hartley Hoo-Ha, I'm going to call her now, just uh, just say things like, oh, it's bad planning decisions, we're building on floodplains, or, or I don't know, it's whatever the flooding equivalent to arson is, you know, people did this. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go from rain to snow, because we have this thing called industrial snowfall, and that was in this country. And I think the name was invented by an estate agent, by the way, because, I mean, it's a it's a really interesting story. It's industrial, though. It just makes it sound really rather better than it is. This is pollution snow. Yeah. This is pollution in the air around which the ingredients otherwise exist to make snow, but they're missing dampness, and the uh, the pollution steps in for the dampness, and, and it creates pollution snow. Wow. Gray snow, black snow, I don't know. If, maybe it's white. So, it is, But it is, it's not festive snow, right? It's not the kind of stuff that Rudolph's going to suddenly pop out and start delivering you gifts. And it's not the kind of snow you want to eat, right? I mean, normally you'd, you wouldn't eat yellow snow, but in this case, I think it might be white, and you definitely don't want to eat it because it's just full of shit. Essentially, it's just poison. It's a rare phenomenon, yes. industrial snow. Near Heathrow Airport, this was earlier this year. It's only just been reported, yeah. though. No connection there, Gov, right? <laughs> yes. Funny that, isn't it? Yeah, it comes under that category. Uh, here's a question that comes in from Chris. He says, Dale, I'm an Ecotricity customer. I've supported what you do for many years. However, I'm concerned about your green gas initiative. We'll come to boilers in a second as well. Uh, the simple fact is we must stop burning fossil fuels full stop, not come up with schemes that create gas through anaerobic digestion that subsequently burns and emits CO2s, even though it may even out to net zero. Let's not make it easy for the fossil fuel industries to hide behind this sort of thing, as well as carbon capture and storage. Can we just stop burning stuff? Well, yeah, look, I've been calling for the stopping of burning stuff for a very long time, and it's the ideal position to be in. But in this case, we've got to look at what the alternative to green gas is, and that is electric heating uh, via the heat pump, which we've talked about a lot on this show and elsewhere. And there are massive drawbacks with the idea that we can all have a heat pump to switch out our gas boilers, just massive, massive uh, drawbacks. We need to build three times as much renewable energy, need a massive upgrade of the grid. Our energy bills will rise up to 50%. 20% of our homes just can never have one and stuff like that, right? So there's no easy alternative, actually, or easy route to decarbonizing home heating. And green gas, as the questioner points out, when it's burned, it is carbon neutral. It is at least that carbon neutral over a short life cycle, roughly six months. And so it's a great alternative, actually, to a very bad alternative, which is electrifying heating via heat pumps i think it's got a role to play yeah i understand what chris the questioner is saying though is there a possibility that all the while 
the infrastructure looks similar to what has been there forever. There are companies out there, the fossil fuel industry will go, ah, yeah, we can just keep utilizing stuff and changing the names of things slightly. And people will think we're, (laughs) you know, we're on, we're on to a crusade to make things better when actually we're not. Yeah, look, I understand the point. But I think, Chris, it's worth thinking about this. If we don't use green gas, we actually throw away the gas grid. And we throw away tens of millions of appliances, boilers and cookers because we can't use them anymore, which is incredibly wasteful even though some of the materials will be recycled. And I don't think having a grid gives an opportunity to fossil fuel companies. I think it gives an opportunity to companies in the green economy that are making green gas. And of course, we can also mix hydrogen into the national gas grid that we can make with excess renewable energy because we will have a lot of that in the future. So I think the gas grid as it is can do a lot for us and it makes sense to use green gas in it, not least because we don't have a viable alternative, right? Heat pumps are not like that. And and the last thing is that the land that we'll harness to grow, to make green gas, will become a wildlife refuge. We get to bring nature back at the same time. Got it. Well, on the related subject, the government has increased the funding of the boiler upgrade scheme. So, I mean, that's a, that's a win-win, isn't it? How many trillions of pounds are they putting in? <laughs> It's brilliant. It's brilliant. They've uh, they've added a billion quid, right, which sounds like a lot of money. And uh, of course, it is a lot of money, but not in the context of a national heat pump plan. You can tell the lack of ambition here is shown by this, right? The government aims to have 600,000 heat pumps installed every year by the end of this decade, right? At that rate, that's 6 million heat pumps installed every decade. We've got 28 million homes in the country. We're talking about 50 years to finish doing this job. Wow. How good is that? I mean, what what use is that to us? Why to to us? Because you know, I I, I doubt whether we'll see twenty five between us, Dale. To be honest, (laughs) at this rate, it's. (laughs) I was feeling better than that today. (laughs) It was started off as a good day till you had this conversation. There are reasons to be cheerful, though, on the environmental front, and I know that you've done research into this as well. And that's the it comes up all the time. This about job growth in renewables and the like. Now, Scotland has seen a a huge increase in this area. But of course, there's always that counter argument that comes through from some quarters going, ah, no, 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 because you've got to keep coals and, you know, mines and stuff because it creates lots of jobs. So part of the current anti-green rhetoric from Sunak and his government is uh, investing in drilling in the North Sea is about creating jobs and maintaining jobs and and that kind of stuff. It's just another piece of, I don't know, I I, I want to be rude, but I'm not going to. Let's call it uh, smoke and mirrors, right? It's it's not accurate. We've pulled together some figures, stuck them on a graph. We've, We've charted the growth of green jobs versus the decline in brown jobs, all of it energy related. And they crossed over a few years ago. The future is in green jobs, not brown. We know that we get twice as many jobs and twice as much GDP growth for every pound we put into renewables versus fossil fuels. And I think this is an important argument or or debate that we've got to take to the unions as well, because they often chip in on the side of government in this case, and this argument that we need to maintain investment in fossil fuels is just such a big mistake. There are many more jobs in renewable energy. So we're, we're starting to the data together and we're going to go knock on the door of some big unions and have this discussion in the near future good work a uh, question from eden who says what is the best way to resist against the privatization of the nhs ah uh, 
just stop the Tories. <laughs> really, really, it is. It's just stop the Tories. The election's coming. You know, vote to get the Tories out. Occasionally, that'll be a tactical vote. Mostly, it needs to be a Labour vote. Take a friend with you to the polls. Take two friends to the poll. You know, and, and, and you know, find somebody that didn't vote last time and make them vote. Something like that. Because we, we've got to increase turnout. 10 million people aged 18 to 44 didn't vote in the last election. Uh, whereas 80% of people over 60 do vote and they predominantly vote Tory. And therefore, policy in our country and the direction of our country is being driven by an aging population. And I don't think that's right. Is there a sense? Because, you know, there's this sort of view, and I understand the view as well, that when Blair came in in 1997, he was a bit kind of Tory-like or Tory-lite um, in some respects. And so he had, did address a lot of stuff with the NHS, but he introduced quite a lot of private stuff to make that happen. And there was yeah. no... So many people, even on the left, go, well, to be honest, there's nothing wrong with working in harmony. But there is a sense that Wes Streeting, who's likely to be the first Labour health secretary, if he keeps the, the, the role he's got in the shadow cabinet might do something similar is that because you know, the, the argument goes look if labor do it then for some reason it's okay but if the tories do it it's not look i'm not convinced it's okay if the private health industry were building new hospitals and recruiting new doctors and nurses alongside the nhs i think then that's a fair argument to say it's okay it can take some of the pressure off and it's not undermining the nhs but actually what you find is that surgeons and doctors that work in the nhs are sidelining out in the in the private sector and and you know you can get treated much faster if you pay by them than you can if you wait for them to be available in the NHS. And so it's directly competing with the capacity of the NHS. And I think that's unfortunate. And I think, you know, it's an erosion of the National Health Service to to have started down that road. Blair didn't do uh, all good things, did he? You know, the war in Iraq was the biggest black mark probably against him. He did a lot of good things as well. You know, the um, minimum wage, for example, he, he started the ball rolling on yeah, this whole yeah. renewable energy thing as well. You've got to give him credit for that. Yeah, I mean, privatization of the NHS is a big mistake. We've got another chart. We're going to put it on social media soon. And it shows the growth in waiting times under Tory and Labour governments. And it's like a seesaw. The Tories get in and the graph goes up. Labour get in and the graph goes down. The Tories get back in, the graph goes back up. It's like a... You how does that happen though you know because you'd think the tories would go well we want the graph to go down as well well you see i think that actually the tories are setting the nhs up to fail that's what i said on question time they talk about record levels of funding but the problem is management organization private knows best is their argument and you know what helps them in the argument is an nhs that's failing and so I think this deliberate on the part of the Tories. Here's another question. This comes in from Kitty. It's political with Sunak thinking about limiting social media use for under 16s. What are your thoughts on social media? And do you think it's a force for the good or the bad? It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think it was Lord Adonis, one of the Labour peers that said a couple of years back, you know, the next election will be fought on social media. And we've sort of had a bit of that. And we mm. still have a bit of that. And there are some great things about social media, but it's also the cesspit of tomfoolery and shite. So it's hard to know. Uh, would you yeah. uninvent social media, I guess, is one of the questions. Well, I, I wouldn't. Um, I think one of the things it does is challenge traditional media, which is, you know, dominated in terms of ownership by, uh, you know, tax exile billionaires, you know, with a particular agenda in our country. It challenges their dominance. You, you can see print media kind of uh, on a downward trend and social media is is kind of democratic in that respect you know anybody can pop up and create uh, their own channel and their own news feed and that kind of stuff but of course that's his downside because just anybody can do it and there's not enough regulation that you know conspiracy theories abound on the internet and and all kinds of other personal abuse as well and that kind of stuff but i think 
we don't do enough to make the big platforms regulate their own content. And that's a fair point. Uh, let's move over to the States. Joe Biden has gone big on rail investment, but is it big enough? That's a good question. Joe, I don't think it is big enough. Eight billion, uh, you know, I mean, it's a huge country, right? It's just it's just vast. At the moment, they're squabbling over some money for Ukraine that they want to give 42 billion. So, you know, they can chuck, you know, five times as much uh, in, into a weapons funding program for Ukraine. It's not the first time they give money either. I just want to compare it to that, right? Eight billion for some trains, 40 odd billion, just the latest update in the funding of arms to kill people, including cluster munitions and, you know, all kinds Jeez. of all kinds of bad stuff. So I'm not impressed. Jeremy says, is there a point to our democracy when we are constantly lied to by politicians who appear to be increasingly corrupt? Are they corrupt or are they just stupid? I think they're both, actually. There are so many stupid Tories in the government right now. So much corruption in the PPE scandal. And uh, the Tory party is at the heart of that. They created a VIP lane for their friends. They were able to charge 20 to 30% more than the going rate. And they got fast tracked through the process. No experience in the supply of PPE. All they did was pick up a phone to a factory in China and ordered the stuff, stuck 30% on top of the cost and, and ran off in their case with 60 million quid, right? I mean, and that's, that, that seemed to be the pattern on this. Look, I, I have no out that if there's a pandemic and you, you need to get a lot you need to collate a lot of stuff like medical equipment and supplies and ppe and all the rest of it i'm sure there's a bit of a panic on and the search is accelerated i'm also sure that if you think look you know we know we've got some contacts within the the circle of people that we don't necessarily know personally but we know as affiliates of the government whether they're in the house of lords or whether they're people that have done business with departments before i i kind of get that as well the bit i don't get is when mick the ice cream man who happens to live next door to michael gove goes yeah yeah i could do a bit of pbe for you mikey just i've got loads of it how much have you got well i haven't got it now i haven't actually got it but i can get it so, oh, right, okay. So you can deliver like two billion pounds worth of pe- Yeah, I can do that. When by Tuesday, I'll do it by Tuesday. This is what happened. You might think I get the acceleration. I get that you use people that you've used before. If they're business minded, you think we know we can trust them. But I, well, a bit I don't get if you have f- all experience in something so important that might preclude you from the process. Yeah. Do you know what? I think the the gulf at the heart of that logic is that Mikey, the ice cream seller or, or Lady Moan, actually have better contacts in the world of PPE than the people who live and work in the world of PPE, like the NHS. Can they really get PPE faster and better than the NHS, whose job it is to do that? They're all going to go to the same factory. And as it turns out, most of them supplied shite, stuff that couldn't even be used. I reckon the NHS is probably one of the biggest customers in the PPE world. So they've probably already got a kind of rotating order uh, with, with the PPE people. Absolutely. And a standing, you know, in terms of getting a fast order. This this, yeah. this is corruption. This was the Tories giving money to their friends and donors of the party. It'll come back to them at this coming election, the money that they've given to these people. It was just corruption. And, you know, this bent ideology that uh, private markets and entrepreneurs do things best. They clearly don't, right? We wasted billions in the PPE scandal. And when Labour get in, there will be an inquiry and they will be asking for a lot of this money back.
Final question from Rob, who says, have you got some January signings coming at Forest Green Rovers? Yeah, nothing confirmed right now. We've been working on it for several weeks in terms of building a plan and a target list and stuff like that. Conversations are happening. Negotiations are underway. We're hoping to make early signings in January so they can make the most difference. But all January will be busy strengthening the squad. There it is. Looking good. Um, this is our last one, by the way. We've only got a week off and then we're back. But um, And then it's going to be, you can get that Christmas Christmas tree out, can't you? And and be merry around it. This is the time of year, isn't it, right? When everybody goes, oh, look at the year we just had. Oh, look at the year that's coming and that kind of stuff. I, I kind of not the biggest fan of that. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a bigger not fan of Christmas, but <laughs> it it's is. kind of like, uh, you know, time of year that's um, got a lot not to like. Dale, we'll speak in 2024. Have a good <laughs> a rest. Kid, Have right? a good rest. Get back to the cave. <laughs> that's what I need to do. Get back to the cave and start uninventing things. Yeah, do that. Uninvent the wheel or whatever it was you uninvented. I, want, this I year. need to uninvent right wing radio. That's what I need to do. Dale, we'll speak next year. Yep. See you in the new year, Ian. Have a good one. Don't forget, of course, to follow this podcast from your podcast provider. Then you get each episode automatically. And follow Dale on social media Facebook.com slash Dale Vince, Twitter.com slash Dale Vince, and on TikTok, TikTok too. too. <laughs> Zero, carbon, east, off.